Hey video game fans, I'm Push Dustin, and this is Memory Card. Ben is off for the week, and I thought I'd bring in someone with a little bit more class. Someone who actually has a degree, and has a fiery hot research abilities of a smoldering volcano. I'm speaking, of course, of the one and only Dr. Lava. Dr. Lava has been researching into cut content in Nintendo games for several years now. He is especially known for documenting Pokemon information. How are things today, Mr. Lava? Good. How you doing, Push? I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's the new year. It's the 2020s. New things are happening. <laughs> Keeping busy. How about you? I'm doing all right, actually. Uh, I'm spending an entire month with my in-laws, so uh, that's been oh. a, a great way to enjoy the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's go ahead and get ready for this episode. So let's boot it up. My first question is, how did you get started with uh, doing Dr. Lava cut content? Well, I actually came up with a Dr. Lava character a few years before I got into cut content. Basically, me and a friend of mine Mm -hmm. uh, wanted to start a new YouTube channel. I've had some old YouTube channels in the past, and we came up, we were looking for kind of like on-screen representations of our voices. Yep. And we're just kind of looking around online while we were while we were drunk, actually. And we <laughs> stumbled across some American girl dolls mm-hmm. uh, in wheelchairs. Yeah. And uh, we just thought that was bizarre and hilarious. So we came up with the idea that he would he was British. So mm-hmm. he would be an evil scientist in a wheelchair and I would be like a disgruntled Vietnam vet, kind of like uh, Tom Cruise and born on the 4th of July. I don't know if you've seen or maybe you're familiar with the uh parody is a charlie on it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah i, I know charlie from it's all it's always sunny so i was gonna be basically that guy but then uh, we ended up moving to different cities and so i took over the evil scientist role and then uh mm-hmm. tried to make a cartoon based around dr lava for a while but it ended up kind of failing spectacularly and then i uh, won't bore you with too many of the details eventually I ended up cover Nintendo cut content and then people only really seem to be interested when I talked about the Pokemon stuff so I guess a little over mm-hmm. a year ago I went to just kind of focusing on Pokemon full-time as, as the niche and it's uh, it's gone pretty well. Uh, how many years have you done uh, cut content in particular? Uh, it's just about a year and a half now I think the first one I did was uh, Metroid Prime on GameCube and then mm-hmm. I did various Nintendo games and then it was a uh, I guess about 15 months ago, I did Pokemon Red and Blue, which yeah. um, got a lot more, you know, views and attention than the other games I'd done. So I said, well, I'll do one more Pokemon game. And then I did mm-hmm. one more. And then I just kind of ended up sticking with it. Yeah, you kind of found your audience. So um, what has been the most surprising piece of cut content that you've uncovered? Well, a lot of the stuff I talk about I, I is uh, I often get credited for more than I've actually... Uh, discovered because I, I tend to talk about cut content and delve into stuff, but a lot of, the, of it is stuff that was discovered, like in that Space World leak of Gold and Silver's 1997 demo. Yeah. Which uh, I, I talk a lot about and I, I write articles about it and stuff like that, although I had nothing to do with the leak myself. But it's uh, most of the stuff I've done, which is actually something you helped me with because you're out there in Japan mm-hmm. and I was trying to get my hand on some Japanese magazines and you had been 
kind enough to uh, get those Japanese magazines for me and mail them to me or scan them for me. Yep. And uh, so I could get those translated. So um, most of the stuff I've done, which I, I can really take credit for, has been uh, commissioning translations of these old Japanese magazines where people like Ken Sugimori, the lead art director for the mm-hmm. Pokemon series, talk about uh, the origins of Pokemon designs, Pokemon ideas that were scrapped and that kind of thing. So I, I think probably my favorite example that, that, you know, I guess I could take credit for was there was a particular origin story from a 2011 Nintendo Dream magazine where he's talking about how the Hydreigon family uh, were tank dragons and then they'd thrown the designs out, but then Masuda or someone else higher up had ordered them to uh, bring, to deliver a three-stage dragon family. So they revived the designs. They had uh, Hydreigon as a Yamada no Orochi motif, which is probably something you know more about than I do, basically an eight-headed hydra from Japanese mythology. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up cutting it down to just three heads, but those um, older designs of the tanks and eight-headed dragons still uh, are reflected in the final designs where Hydragon and his under his pre-evolution still have purple tread marks on their yeah. bellies, which are leftovers from the tanks. And then Hydragon's silhouette still looks like Actually, a nine-headed dragon, uh, as Sugimori puts it, one better than Orochi. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just fun to go through all those those old magazines, and you know, I'll send it off to the translator. Kind of cross my fingers that something good comes back. Sometimes it's a dud, and I've just spent all this time and maybe a couple hundred bucks on these old magazines getting them translated. But other times, something really interesting will come through, and uh, yeah, it's a real thrill when, when something good shows up in the in my inbox from the translator yeah i i definitely understand how that feels um with uh, smash brothers i i spent um a couple of years just researching and deep diving into various articles and stuff like that trying to see what hasn't been translated and mm-hmm. it was exactly as you described there's sometimes where it's just like there's nothing but other times you'd you'd find this one article and you're like oh wow i didn't know about this thing before right i yeah first uh came to be familiar with with you and your work from sourcegaming.com which you know I listen to your podcast in fact <laughs> probably everyone says this but yours is the only podcast I listen to push oh thank you <laughs> but actually it's true and uh, I don't think I've ever even heard you mention uh, I haven't listened to every episode but I haven't heard you mention source gaming or or really your mm-hmm. your past all of that but that's how I first came to be yeah, familiar with your work yeah, I think um, I actually ran into you first when um, you published an article on Smash Bros. I think the first time that we crossed paths was um, I published an article on my website where I basically said something like, I've never started drama before, but this is just ridiculous. All these websites are just copy pasting yeah. <laughs> all these translations I've done. And, uh, you know, they're, they're getting all the you know, ad revenue and all the street cred and, and on this tiny website with like a few hundred Twitter followers at the time. Yeah. And, uh, they're drinking my milkshake basically. And I was, I was pissed off and I was, you know, I had like a few hundred Twitter followers and I was hoping someone would, uh, signal boost it. And you kind of showed up and were like, oh, I've had that same problem too. You know, screw those guys. And uh, I appreciate that. And I think that was the first time that we crossed paths. Yeah. Um, but you really found your audience like this year. Because you you've grown massively in the last I think um last twelve months 
Yeah, really the last six months or so. Uh, yeah. Especially since I started focusing on Pokemon and trying to these kind of translation product uh, projects, especially. But um, yeah, it's just been the last six months or so that I've I've mm-hmm. I don't want to say blown up, but that I've I've the follower rate has increased a lot in the last six months or so. I was gonna say it's also been an exciting time for Pokemon information because we've had um, a lot of demos and concepts leak. Right, because originally the reason I got into cut content of of old Nintendo game, I used to be in the drone business. Yeah, and uh, I just realized like how fast things were moving and so when i started doing these old cut content videos i thought okay this is the kind of stuff that will be just as relevant 10 years from now as it is today because it's already irrelevant in a way it's stuff about things that did not happen in 20 year old games but then yeah it's been really wild the last year or so all the either uh, game freak has published some stuff officially there's been a whole bunch of leaks all mm-hmm. mostly to do with stuff from the first two generations of Pokemon games. And so it's like, I'll put out this video about cut content. And then six months later, it'll be all this new stuff will come out. And I'm and my video about a 20 year old game somehow is, is outdated now. Yep. <laughs> it has been wild. Good time to be in the, in the Pokemon beta content uh, business. Yeah, definitely. So I was wondering, could you discuss how the space world leak happened or how that came about? That has actually just kind of gone public in the last, uh, it was December 19th, I think it was, or a few days after. So there was the, there was a, a leak of Gen 4 beta sprites on December 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what had happened was there was a guy who, his internet handle is Wacko, and uh, he hacked into Nintendo servers in March of 2018, and he got a whole bunch of stuff most relevant for the purpose of this conversation was uh, a whole bunch of Pokemon prototype assets and uh, including that Space World 1997 demo as well as the stuff from uh, Red and Green which leaked uh, published by Helix Chamber in February 2019 and then the more recent Gen 4 beta sprites. So basically this guy hacked into Nintendo, got caught, but by then you know he already had the stuff and uh, had given it away to some folks or some of it, and uh, he, there's some court records and there's some news stories about the, the trial for, for him, you know, hacking into Nintendo servers, but es- essentially it's now been made public that that was the source of the leak. Some people thought it was like a, an insider. Like a prototype. Yeah, some, some people thought it was some, some Nintendo or Game Freak insider or some collector yeah. who'd, who'd had it in a safe and decided to, to make it public but now it's it's been revealed it was from a a hack of nintendo servers yeah that's i initially thought it was a collector who who had the the space world demo that was kind of the people who were for a while trying to sort of cover up trying to protect that hacker basically because he's still somewhat at risk of further uh damages legally Mm. um so they didn't want to just say oh it's this guy the sort of a official narrative for a lot of the people who who knew who it was, just said, oh, you know, it's some anonymous, mysterious collector, and don't ask too many questions about who. So why did um, information about the hack actually come, become public? The friend, uh, so th- this guy, there's another guy who, uh, he was the one who posted the, I guess you would say confession. I, I hope he wouldn't mind my characterizing it that way, but he did say sorry and 
fess up and all that. So I, I think that I don't think that's a mischaracterization. So Wacko, the hacker, uh, his alias, mm-hmm. is friends with another guy who goes by the alias Ganix. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I this person told me I, I did talk to Ganix. Said he prefers they them pronouns. I'll try to uh, adhere to that um, without making it confusing. So. Ganix posted on Glitch City Laboratories forums, which is basically kind of like a uh, Pokemon glitch and prototype community website, mm-hmm. basically telling the story that Wacko had done the hack. He'd given some of these assets, these stolen hacked assets to Ganix. He'd given them to Helix Chamber. And as far as this, if, if, as far as the Gen 1 stuff, the Gen 2 stuff, the Space World, basically there was a... P-R-E-T, I don't know if you pronounce that or spell it out, but there's a Pret Discord server where kind of Pokemon prototype enthusiasts hang out. Okay. So Wacko, the hacker, created a screen name. It was basically, it was three underscores, I think, just you know, anonymous, and just dropped them off in the Discord anonymously and said, like, oh, I hear you guys like prototypes. Dropped them off, and with a, a download limit of 20, so 20 people could download it. Yeah. And then he turned around and logged into his regular uh, account, his regular Discord account, mm. and him and the other guy who was aware of what was going on, Ganix, the one who, who made the confession, told this story last week. They downloaded it. They were among those 20 people who downloaded it. And like, oh, wow, someone dropped this off. When, of course, they knew dropped it off. It was them, essentially. And then uh, Team Space World formed, which is basically 20 of these people who happened to be on that Discord uh, and got the mm-hmm. 20 downloads, and then some other people were pulled in. Yeah. Essentially, that's how it, that's how it happened. Uh, the rest from there was those kind of prototype enthusiasts that picked it apart and, you know, published what was inside. Yeah, I was, I was very surprised to see the, um, the Gen 4 beta sprite leak uh, just last month. Yeah, they were uh, not as exciting as Space World, and there's no lost Pokemon, but there were, you know, a few hundred kind of scrapped gender differences. Yeah. A lot of them, to be honest, a lot of them were kind of boring, but some of them are really interesting, like uh, Pikachu, Raichu, Wobbuffet, is it Chimicho? I often mispronounce Pokemon names, but there's... Chimcho? Chimcho, that's that's probably right. (laughs) I, I, I get comments in my youtube videos every single day saying like oh you mispronounce mm-hmm. this you mispronounce that book i only have you know 10 pokemon video there's one video i get <laughs> the same comment every day i think it's supposed to be plusle oh i always get that one wrong in in minion or mine or yeah minion i guess and i'd said it's a minion minion right <laughs> i think i'd said like plusle and minion and i every day i get comments just like it's plusle and and minion or whatever it is you know it's text yeah, I guess it's a play on plus and minus. I never got that, and I now watch the anime before every episode, before each recording, so I can not mispronounce anything. But that was one that I missed, <laughs> and when I got to that part of the script, I was recording it. Crap! I'll just take a shot at it. Here, here comes the sentence: Plusel and Minion, and and I've not heard the end of it. You're doing Galaxy Brain, and I'm um, just driving more engagement to your videos. I was I considered that because <laughs> you know the more yeah the more comments I get. <laughs> You know, the more the algorithm likes it. So I was thinking, like, actually, it's maybe, like, like a good yeah. business move to mispronounce Pokemon names. But Yeah, just include, like, one obvious mispronunciation or, like, a, a fact that you know is, is wrong, and you'll get everyone commented on the video. I think, it's, I think that's actually probably a good idea. I'm going to try to avoid it, but I, I really, <laughs> as much as I try to avoid it, I end up doing it. So 
I guess, uh, yeah, it's probably for the best. Hey, folks, we're putting this episode on pause for a moment to reveal how you can help Memory Card. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to support our gaming history endeavors, you should consider pledging a dollar or two to our Patreon. For a single dollar a month, you'll receive special updates and be given the option of ad-free episodes. You won't have to hear this ad, the one that you're currently listening to, ever again. For $2 a month, you'll become an official member of Club 251, which gives listeners access to exclusive bonus content and detailed transcripts via our memory card website. Every little bit pledged helps us improve the show and grow memory card into something even more wonderful. Find out more on the support section of our website or at patreon.com backslash memcard. That's patreon.com backslash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. And now, back to the show. What was your favorite cut content? What's your favorite, uh, sorry, cut Pokemon? Uh, well, you know, everyone likes Katora and Raitora, those electric tigers from Gen that were cut from both Generations 1 and 2. Mm. Um, so I won't say that. It's a bit like saying Pikachu is your favorite Pokemon. It's too obvious. I really like uh, Akari, which was um, the middle stage of a three-stage family cut from uh, Gen 2 that was in the Space World demo. <laughs> He's a shark with an anchor for a tail. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that one. And uh, someone, I don't, there's a the girl who did all the art for the Space World sprites, kind of recreations, uh, you've probably seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, Racy Beep uh, is her online handle, Rachel Briggs. She told me a theory. She got it from someone else, but I, I, usually I don't spread fan theories because I think they're just kind of full of hot air. But this one I actually think uh, has some some merit to it, mm-hmm. having to do with Akari, which is in the final build of Gold and Silver. There's a uh, location called the Lake of Rage, mm-hmm. and um, in fact, you speak Japanese, so um, you you could share your thoughts on this. Okay, I think the Japanese. You know, I should say translation because it's the original, but the Japanese for Lake of Rage is something like Akari Nomazu. Uh, Nozomo? Nozomo, yeah, something like that. But the important part is that it's Akari for Lake of Rage. Akari is Rage, and the Pokemon was named Akari. So probably it was meant to be that the Lake of Rage was supposed to be a reference to Akari, the scrapped shark Pokemon. Um, rather than in, in the final build, it's got that red Gyarados. The lake is kind of all about him. Okay. I was going to say, um, actually, my favorite, one of my favorites is uh, Rin Rin. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I, I love cats. I've got three, but uh, I try not to just be like, I love the cute ones. Well, um, the I forgot the name of it, but the, the doll, the is it Chinese style doll? That's a good one, too. Yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, Chinese style straw doll. Yeah, Norawara. I think I'm pronouncing that probably wrong. And then he evolves into uh, a Jiangshui panda, which is like a like a Chinese style vampire, the hopping vampire. Mm, that one's that one's also really cool. Yeah, I wish they would bring it back. Probably got cut for being you know creepy occult little straw dolls with pins being pushed through them. Mm-hmm. So that's really not surprising they got cut. But they're yeah, they're really good ones. I was watching through all your videos before um, doing this interview, and um, Game Freak seems to have cut a lot of events. You know, it just in every generation, it was just like, yep, this event was cut, this ev- this item was never passed out. Why do you think that is? You know, there was one in Gen 2 that was only available via a Japanese-only online service where you'd hook up your Game Boy to a cell phone adapter yep. to get basically DLC to get Celebi. 
Gen 3 had a a key item only distributed at Japanese special events to go to the faraway island to uh, catch Mew. Um, Gen 4 had a special event kind of hidden in the internal data because Game Freak decided not to hand out the the key item, not to distribute it, because Junichi Masuda said he, they thought it would be too confusing for players, which is a reasoning no one really believes. Uh, there's different theories on what the real reason would be. But um, mm. and then and then Gen Five they had a similar one where that one actually was really confusing. The lock capsule. I don't know if you've seen that video that that I've done, but I saw that. It's really complicated. It's it connects Gen Four. It connects Heart Gold Soul Silver with Black and White, and it's it's really mm-hmm. complicated. Even if you had a guide, it'd be pretty complicated. And the payoff is just a TM. It's not even very good. Yep. So I kind of see why they didn't implement that one. Although it's, it's still strange that they would go to all the trouble of, you know, creating this intergenerational <laughs> event only to, yeah. once it's finished to think like, oh, uh, let's just not even distribute the, the key that unlocks it. It's just kind of dumb. It's like, well, wouldn't you have realized that earlier in the development process? But I, I apparently not. So do you think like uh, Game Freak just kept on hoping that they would be able to do these events and they just ended up not being able to do them internationally because it's just uh, impossible to do in every country kind of thing. You know, I think it's kind of a different case with each one. Like the whole, the whole thing with the Celebi event in Gen 2, which is, I guess, if cell phone use was, I guess at the time, Japan was way ahead of, of the West and the United States as far as how many people had access to cell phones. Yeah. Um, I really don't know why they wouldn't distribute the the old sea map uh, that unlocked the island in Gen 3. Back then, you, games were released in the U.S. like maybe a year or so after they came out in Japan. And so I've heard some people say that by the time they could have brought those special event items to the West, it was already too soon to the next games being released. And so it would have been kind of goofy to be promoting games that you're about to replace essentially would mm. that that could that could be the reason that that's one theory that could hold water but you know now now that uh games will release simultaneously worldwide yep. that wouldn't be an issue but they don't really release spe- uh, kind of events the way they used to mm. where like a new location is unlocked that has some legendary pokemon now you just basically download via yeah. wi-fi and, and pick up a pokemon in the pokemon center so it's unfortunately they don't do it the way they used to do it yeah, they had um I think with Let's Go, I think you could get like a chancy from the Pokemon stores if it was your birthday. That's that that's a thing, right? Oh, I I haven't actually heard of that one. Uh I got Let's Go, I played it a bit and then I just kinda put it down after I'd beaten it. Last time I went to a, the Pokemon store in uh Kyoto, I, I remember seeing a sign that's like, you can get a, a chancy if it's your birthday. So I, I think that was with a uh, Let's Go. That's probably right. I, I don't pay too close attention to the events where it's just something you could just kind of get yeah. anywhere else in the game, like a chansey. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anything too special. Right. But um, I, I think, yeah, maybe they're trying to move away from events like that because of the international audience. There's been some really good Japan exclusive ones over the years. Um, like in Gen 5, they had some... I, mean, I think they've had these all over the over the years but specifically in gen 5 they had some like that would connect or at least lore wise connected to games like pokemon conquest which is a kind of a spin-off game mm-hmm. you could get like a shiny rayquaza it's like a, a, a black one um that's uh meant to belong to kind of like the villain from those games 
And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, even though it would be a Pokemon you could normally get in the game, mm. as hard as it would be to get a, a shiny, you could still get it. But, you know, it has this unique thing that it's tied to the other side games and all that. And it would have been nice if they brought that stuff to the West. Are, are there any games that you'd like to explore more in the future? Well, you know, I, I've got a, I love a lot of the Nintendo library. Um, my last video was about Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up getting, like, uh, after having covered Pokemon for last year, my Luigi's Mansion video only got, according to YouTube analytics, my viewership fell 86% mm. with uh, once I broke away from just doing Pokemon. And so I think at this point I'm just going to stick with Pokemon because no one really wants to hear me talk about anything else <laughs> but uh yeah but uh, i do yeah like i used to do zelda and metroid videos uh some stuff from the mario series and uh you know i love all those games but i, I think as far as uh dr lava is concerned i'll be sticking with pokemon because it's, it's a pretty good niche to be in i definitely know that that feeling with uh with source gaming it was like any time that we did anything not smash mm. it like had a third of the viewership or even less sometimes Right, yeah, I, th- I think I remember I, I put up that Luigi's Mansion video. It took me like a month to make it. And I was like, oh, man, this is like technically and narratively and all that. Like, this is maybe the best video I've ever made. Like, this is mm-hmm. like really proud of this video. I put it online. It got like, whereas usually in the first hour, it would get, you know, a thousand, a couple thousand views. And I've gotten like a few hundred. And I actually had, I started losing subscribers. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. Like, I, I it was at that moment I realized I should probably just stick with my, my Pokemon niche. Yeah, all hail the algorithm. Right. <laughs> well, um, is there anything that you're working on right now that you can talk about? Sure. Uh, there is kind of the project I've been dealing with for the last couple months or so is uh, having to do with the creation of Lugia because it's a really uh, okay unique origin story. If I go into the full story, it's going to be kind of dry and boring. Basically, the guy who wrote the he was the head writer for the original Pokemon anime and the first three movies, um, Takeshi Shudo. I don't know if you've heard that name. I actually haven't. He was a, a, a really interesting character. He was basically hooked on alcohol and painkillers. So he wrote a blog in, after he'd, he'd quit Pokemon. He died in 2010, but for about the 10 years prior to, after he left Pokemon, but before he died, he wrote about 225 blog posts. In, J- in Japanese, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard one particular blog entry from about a year or two before he died. He claimed credit for the creation of Lugia, which would be unusual that a writer for the anime would, would create a Pokemon, especially a legendary, as opposed to the Game Freak design team. Yep. So I commissioned the translation of that blog post, and he said all this stuff about being hooked on, on booze and pills and some really bizarre how his doctor wanted him to to clean up of course he ended up dying about a year later but um it was really interesting and then he said something like as i mentioned once before you know i created lugia i was like okay well this is absolutely open to can of worms like he's clearly he's talked about lugia in the past and uh painkillers and alcohol Mm. um i've uh so i've ended up basically going through all 225 of his blog post and and control f you know search search word the Japanese characters for Lugia and every paragraph where he'd mentioned Lugia, I commissioned it to be translated. And so I can just find out 
everything. And basically, he he gotten he he took credit for the creation of Lugia. He did create the concept for the second movie. Yep. Because you know, actually, Lugia wasn't in that Space World demo. He actually hadn't been created yet at that point. He was created later for for the second movie. And if if the games hadn't been delayed, Lugia wouldn't have been in Gen Two, um, according to him. I think it was actually Ken Sugimori. It was kind of a, as is often the case, the actual design of Lugia was kind of a team effort from the designers. But Shudo did come up with a concept and some some other elements of Lugia, and he became really obsessed with Lugia right before his death. Mm. Really strange, like uh, these translations. Um, he's saying things like, "Oh, like they gave Lugia a man's voice in the movie that I wrote," and. I should have pushed back. I'd always thought of Lugia as more of a maternal figure. Mm. And it's really strange. And, uh, and anyway, yeah, I've been going th- through these, all these old blogs, trying to put them all into one comprehensive video without it just being a huge, you know, hour long mess. And um, I'm actually kind of teaming up with, um, there's another YouTube kind of Pokemon YouTuber, Loxton. That that's the project I'm currently working on. It's the whole Shudo Lugia creation story. Awesome. Um, and when will that be coming out? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> now it's take it's taken longer than <laughs> I would have liked. Um, hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. I should have been a month ago, but I will probably be a month from now. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on and um, talking to us about uh, better Pokemon and cut content. Uh, where can people find you? My YouTube and my Twitter are both the, the same, Dr. Lava's Lost Pokemon. I've got a website where I publish translations and stuff like that. It's called lavacutcontent.com, L-A-V-A. And we'll be sure to include links to all that in the episode description. So if you guys are on iTunes or whatever, you should be able to click on that and find it right away. All right. Thanks for having me, Push. Thank you. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. We'd like to give a special shout out to the talented chiptune composer Jamatar, who once again allowed us to use his track Midori as opening and closing music. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify, or visiting jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast, or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter. We can be found at memcardshow, or on our website, memorycardshow.com. If for some reason you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. We're supported by quite a few awesome people, including Jackson Bertoli, Tyler Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Stuart Radley, Harrison, All of our Patreon information can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back very soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe. We'll see you soon.